eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. Glory be unto your name for your goodness and love and mercy that you have bestowed upon all of us. Give glory to your name for the temporal blessings and in providing for us the basic necessities for life, our food and shelter, the water we drink, the air we breathe. We thank you, Lord, for giving us grace to even accomplish our tasks. Now, dear Lord, as it is written in your word, without you we can do nothing. We need our daily dose of manna from heaven that we may receive strength and help to do things in the way that will be in harmony with your will. We pray, Father, that you will give us this grace, Lord, that as we go through your word, it shall be indeed our spiritual manner that will give us strength and sustenance as we go through our life's journey for today. I pray, Father, that you grant to us the gift of your spirit and help us to rightly divide the word of truth and to search it and bring out lessons that will edify and bless us and bring us to a greater nearness to you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 14 No Excuse for Sinning They angered him at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account, for they made his spirit bitter and he spoke words that were rash. Psalms chapter 106 verse 32 and 33 Had Moses and Aaron been cherishing self-esteem or indulging a passionate spirit in the face of divine warning and reproof, their guilt would have been far greater, but they were not chargeable with willful or deliberate sin. They had been overcome by a sudden temptation and their contrition was immediate and heartfelt. The Lord accepted their repentance, though because of the harm their sin might do among the people, he could not remit its punishment. God had forgiven the people greater transgressions, but he could not deal with sin in the leaders as in, as in those who were led. He had honored Moses above every other man above upon the earth. The fact that Moses had enjoyed so great light and knowledge made his sin more grievous. Past faithfulness will not atone for one wrong act. The greater the light and privileges granted to man, the greater is his responsibility, the more aggravated his failure and the heavier his punishment. Moses was not guilty of a great crime as men would view the matter. But if God dealt so severely with this sin in his most faithful and honored servant, he will not excuse it in others. All who profess godliness are under the most sacred obligation to guard the spirit and to exercise self-control under the greatest provocation. The burdens placed upon Moses were very great. Few men will ever be so severely tried as he was. Yet, this was not allowed to excuse his sin. God has made ample provision for his people, and if they rely upon his strength, they will never become the sport of circumstances. The strongest temptation cannot excuse sin. However great the pressure brought to bear upon the soul, 
transgression is our own act. It is not in the power of earth or hell to compel anyone to do evil. Satan attacks us at our weak points, but we need not be overcome. However severe or unexpected the assault, God has provided help for us, and in his strength we may conquer. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is No Excuse for Sinning. Our key text is taken from the book of Psalms chapter 106, reading from verse 32 and 33, which says, They angered him at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account. For they made his spirit bitter, and he spoke words that were rash. In this text, we can see more insight into actually what happened to Moses that day. His spirit was actually bitter, according to the word of God, and he did rash things. And he also spoke rashly. That's what the Bible says. He spoke words that were rash. So his choice of words, like we looked at yesterday when he said, Ye rebels, and also said, Must we bring water for you? Those words were rash words. And it confirmed in the minds of the people their suspicions which they had had for many, many years. And they, their suspicions were wrong. But Moses in saying those things would have given them a pretext to continue in that suspicion. That he was the one misleading them. That he was the one that brought upon them all the punishments and judgments that the Lord had brought on their fathers. In, in making that statement, he was taking responsibility for that which is God's responsibility. He was taking God's place. It was indeed a rash statement and the act was also rash in using his rod to strike the rock uh, to bring out water from it. So we have seen that already. But today we are going to look at God's own purpose in his dealing with Moses and the lessons that we can learn from it. We ought to remember that when we are studying the Bible, it's not really about humans, it's about God. As we look at the various characters and we admire them, we admire Joseph, we admire Moses, we admire Daniel, we admire all the characters in the Bible. And we can select some and say, oh, I like this man's character, oh, I wish I could be like him. But in the end of the day, it is actually God that we are studying. And as we see his dealings with men, we understand how we can and should relate to him. We cannot deceive ourselves into thinking that the Lord changes. The Lord does not change. He gives us these stories and these lessons so that we will understand that this is how I deal with humans. As I did with Moses, do not think that I will do any difference to you. So, that is what the Lord expects us to understand, to see the way he operates. He is not like humans who today you are happy over one thing and tomorrow you are sad over that same thing or you are indifferent. The same thing that made the Lord pleased yesterday will make him pleased today. The way he dealt with things hundred years ago and a thousand years ago is still the same way he views it today and the same way he will deal with it. So that is why we are studying God. We are understanding his character so that we can know how to walk with him, cooperate with him. And we know what to expect from him. We know how to please him. That is what we call faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us by for without faith it is impossible to please God for he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him that means that God is a rewarder of those who will study him and understand what pleases him and do it with the expectation that he will be pleased 
so we can do things with the expectation that God will be dis- will be pleased or displeased based on what we have studied concerning the way he related with people in the past. Now, looking at the life of Moses, we look at how God views sin in the lives of people who he has appointed as leaders or as representatives of himself. We, as we have said in our previous devotion, are like Moses today. We are Moses to the world. So don't excuse yourself if you are a member of the church and feel, oh, I'm not the leader, I'm not the GO, I'm not the pastor. And then you tell yourself that oh, I'm not going to receive a greater damnation. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, be not many masters for you will receive a greater condemnation. You are included as far as you are a Christian. As we have read in our devotion in Conflict and Courage, page 110, reading from paragraph 4, it says... Moses was not guilty of a great crime as men would view the matter, but if God dealt so severely with his sin in his most faithful and honored servant, he will not excuse it in others. Now, the next statement says, all, not some, all who profess godliness, that is, everyone who is a Christian, all who profess godliness are under the most sacred obligation to guard the spirit and to exercise self-control under the greatest provocation. So, do not excuse yourself. The Lord is going to deal with us exactly like this. Jesus said it himself that the servant who knew the Lord's will will be flogged with greater stripes than the one who did not know the Lord's will. So, with great knowledge comes great responsibility. And the sin of Moses, it is not about how great the sin was, but it was about how high his position was. Reading Conflict and Courage, page 110, paragraph 2, he says, Had Moses and Aaron been cherishing self-esteem or indulging a passionate spirit in the face of divine warning and reproof, their guilt would have been far greater. So, settle it in the mind. Their sin is not something that was, the act itself was so great or greater than what the children of Israel had been doing all these years. No, it was not greater than what the children of Israel had been doing. They were not chargeable with willful or deliberate sin. They had been overcome by sudden temptation and their contrition was immediate and heartfelt. The Lord accepted their repentance, but though because of the harm their sin might do among the people, he could not remit the punishment. So it was actually the far-reaching effect or consequence of the sin that made it a great sin. It was not the sin itself that was great, but the consequence. And that's the way the Lord look at things, looks at things. So why does God record the life of leaders? When we read our Bibles, have you noted that the Bible is written and it is written focusing on people who are holding high positions? Check it from Genesis down to Revelation. You look at the, the, the Bible, looking at the prophets. Those are people who God has honored with high position and it is their books that we read. And how about the book of First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles? Who is it about? Is it about common men? No, it is not about common men. It is about the kings, the leaders of Israel. And you see, for every leader, the Lord will record. And Jehoshaphat became king, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Or, and Asher became king, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Ahab was this and this years when he became king, and he ruled for this amount of years, and he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord summarizes the leaders' lives. Are they the only people who were the holiest of people? No, it's not about the holiest. There were many holy men, pious, good men who are going to be in the kingdom of God. But the Lord records the lives of leaders because God wants us to understand what he does, how he how he relates with us. The Lord wants us to understand that they are the ones of 
the highest responsibility position and their duty is great therefore he focuses on them because they have great influence and he has honored them therefore he expects much from them because they have a very powerful talent called influence you see the other day we were we couldn't but help see and hear concerning something that so many people have even forgotten about even in the world the oscar awards we couldn't help but hear and see someone who people considered to be their mentor display a behavior that savors of a lack of self-control and could be very guilty of assault and violent behavior on public display this man because somebody insulted his wife right there on public in television just went and gave and smacked another person violently with a you could call it a, a, a disrespectful smack on the face because the man said something he didn't like and then they started to use curse words on themselves you see these are the Moseses of the world the leaders and honored people of the world way to be just any man who did that who slapped someone else he would have been charged with a great crime but it was a man of the world, a son of the, the, the bosom son of the world. So he was let off the hook. And he was even defended and awarded. You see, this is a stark contrast between the Lord's heroes and the world's heroes. God holds his leaders accountable. But the world celebrates them when they make mistakes and lets them off the hook. This is how the world is made a worse place. What would have happened to the Israelites were God not to punish this apparently small but clearly obvious sin of Moses and Aaron? It would have encouraged more sin and iniquity and you can be sure that this act that was done by that worldly man in slapping someone on, 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 on live television so that it is everywhere for everyone to see, those who hold him as a mentor, what do you think is going to happen? They are going to think now and get the message that you should not tolerate any insult to your family that the people you love should be defended with violence that is the lesson and many of them are going to be affected by it so children are going to be playing together and then when somebody insults another instead of the christian virtue of self-control being exercised what they are going to do is to slap and this is the example the world is showing and then the world is also not just showing it but they are promoting and supporting it but not so with God. Not so with God. Conflict and Courage, page 110, paragraph 3. God had forgiven the people greater transgressions, but he could not deal with sin in the leaders as in those who were led. He had honored Moses above every other man upon the earth. The fact that Moses had enjoyed so great light and knowledge made his sin more grievous. I take it again. The fact that Moses had enjoyed so great light and knowledge made his sin more grievous. Past faithfulness will not atone for one wrong act. The greater the light and privileges granted to man, the greater is his responsibility. The more aggravated his failure and the heavier his punishment. End of quote. With this, we are reminded of those words in James chapter 3 verse 1 that says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall have, we shall receive the greater condemnation. Who is this referring to that has great light? Are there not people who say that they are the true church of God today? There are many who go around preaching and doing evangelisms and saying, we are God's church. They 
point to themselves, and rightly so, because they are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. But to anyone at all who claims godliness, who claims to be to be those who have great light, and those who claim maybe they don't even have, so leave them alone. But there are those who actually have great light. They have the light given to them of health reform. They have the light given to them of Sabbath reform. They have the light given to them of dress reform. They have the light given to them on the sanctuary message. They have the light given to them on the explanation of Daniel and Revelation to such detail that they even know exactly what is going to happen in the next few years and their prophecy is sure and it is accurate. They are not following cunningly devised fables. The light shed from heaven, they see it clearly, they see the results. But with great light comes great responsibility. My brothers and sisters who are privileged to have these lights that I have received, what have you been doing with them? The Lord is making us understand that our sin is great whenever we misrepresent Him. We are Moses to the world, whether leaders or members. As far as you are privileged to be among the church of God who have had these great lights and that I have, I have just said now, all these things are privileges that God has seen as a blessing to give to, the, to, to, to us. So, when we show a wrong example before the world, our sin is great. Our sin is great. And we are sinning against light. And there is so much evil in our sin because of the hypocrisy in it, the fact that we are sinning against knowledge, and also the fact that we are treacherous in our sin. I cannot put it any better than the way it is written by the same person I had talked about before, Richard Baxter, in his book, Reformed Pastor. And indulge me to read it, that you may understand more clearly why our sin is deep when we neglect these things I have just mentioned and show before the world a different example. You know better. You've heard of dress reform. You know how you ought to dress. You've heard of health reform. You've heard of Sabbath reform. And when you go before the world doing and showing a different example, you are just like Moses striking that rock. You are just like Moses saying those rash words because you are a leader and you are showing a wrong example. So I read from Richard Baxter's book titled The Reformed Pastor. It says, Take heed to yourselves, for your sins have more heinous aggravations than other men's sins. It was a saying of King Alphonsus that a great man cannot commit a small sin. Much more may we say that a learned man or a teacher of others cannot commit a small sin or at least the same sin is greater when committed by him than if committed by another one you are more likely than others to sin against knowledge because you have more than they have or at least you sin against more light or greater means of knowledge what do you not know that covetousness and pride are sins do you not know what it is to be unfaithful to your trust and by negligence or self-seeking to betray men's souls? You know your master's will and if you do not do it, you will be beaten with many stripes. The greater the knowledge, the more willfulness there must be. Two, your sins have more hypocrisy in them than other men's by how much more you have spoken against them. 
Oh, what a heinous thing it is in us to study how to disgrace sin to the greatest degree and to make it as odious in the eyes of our people as we can, but when we have done so, to then live in it and secretly cherish what we publicly disgrace. What vile hypocrisy it is to make it our daily work to decry it and yet to hold onto it, to publicly call it all nothing and to privately make it our bedfellow and companion, to bind heavy burdens on others and not touch them ourselves with a finger. What can you say to this in judgment? Did you think as badly of sin as you said? Or did you not? If you did not, why would you disguise that by speaking against it? If you did, why would you hold on to it and commit it? Oh, do not bear that sign of hypocritical Pharisee. They say, but do not. Many a minister of the gospel will be shamed and unable to look up because of this heavy charge of hypocrisy. 3. Your sins have more treachery in them than other men's, by how much more you have engaged yourself against them. Besides all your common engagements as Christians, you have many more as ministers. How often have you proclaimed the evil and danger of sin and called sinners away from it? How often have you pronounced the terrors of the Lord against it? All these surely implied that you renounced it yourselves. Every sermon that you preached against it, every exhortation, every confession of it in the congregation laid an obligation on you to forsake it. Every child that you baptized and every administration of the Lord's Supper affirmed your own renouncement of the world and the flesh and your engagement to Christ. How often and how openly have you borne witness to the odiousness and damnable nature of sin and yet you entertain it, notwithstanding all these professions and testimonies of your own? Of your own? Oh, what treachery it is to make short such a stare against sin in the pulpit and after all that to entertain it in your heart and give it the place that is due to god and prefer it above the glory of the saints end of quote that is the reformed pastor page 49 down to 50. so as i have gone through these things i start to wonder maybe this is the reason why pastors and ministers today don't speak against sin because they don't want to condemn themselves because the more you preach against it and then you practice it that shows that you are bringing more condemnation on yourself but then don't deceive let's not deceive ourselves whether you preach against sin or not it does not reduce your guilt because we are sinning against knowledge you know it is light that matters it, the very fact that you even refuse to preach against sin because you are afraid that if you preach against it you are condemning yourself that even increases your guilt more than everything i have said so far because what i have said now is that we as children of god representatives of god on this earth we our sin is great even though it is small but it is great because we have great light and knowledge and we are sinning against light and secondly when we talk against sin we become hypocrites and also we are treacherous those are the other two reasons but these other two reasons maybe people want to escape it and say oh let me not increase my sin let me not talk against sin so that i won't be a hypocrite or let me not talk against sin because i'm practicing it so it won't be treacherous but if you don't talk against sin you are even increasing your, your guilt the more because you know what you ought to do and because you deliberately choose to live in sin so that uh, and you to so because you deliberately choose to live in sin you won't speak against it it increases your guilt even more than the three reasons that has just been given 
You see, God had forgiven people greater transgressions, but like we said earlier, he could not pass by Aaron and Moses' sin because it will have greater influence. The greater the light and privileges granted to man, the greater is his responsibility, as we have read. So what is the lesson that God intends to teach us in his dealing with Moses? It's like I have said. A great position is no excuse for sin, but rather much is expected. The higher the position, the more the expectations and the more the condemnation. Our past record of righteousness will not save us. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 24 down to 28, it says, But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he has done shall not be mentioned in his trespass that he hath trespassed and in his sin that he has sinned, in them he shall shall he die. Yet you see, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he has done shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he has committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he has committed. He shall surely live, he shall not die. Amen. This is the way of the Lord and the way of the Lord is equal. We are not to think that righteousness is something we store in a bank that we can use to pay for our sins. Moses' righteousness before that day could not pay for his sins. No matter how good and faithful his record was, when he committed sin, he was going to die. Not just the present death, but the second death. But praise God, him and Aaron did not rebel against God. They didn't look at it as a harsh judgment or treatment, but they repented of their sin and accepted the verdict of the Lord that they would not make it to Canaan. And they, 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 they... they were forgiven of their sins and there today we know that they will be saved in fact moses as we will see is verily in heaven today you see this incident in moses life is a solemn warning fearful and serious warning to those who would assume the office of leaders and influencers and generally anybody who professes godliness it is a solemn warning to us it is not a place to be and be and live a loose life God is no respecter of persons. With great, with great honor and privilege comes great responsibility and expectations. That which may be excused in other men will not be excused in Moses and will not be excused in ministers and ministers' wives and members of the church today. They are to show a good example all the time, but especially ministers and ministers' wives. They are to show a good example. God will not excuse the sin in their lives because it is leading many astray. Romans chapter 2 reading from verse 17 says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, which today should be thou art called a Christian, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God. Oh, I'm a Christian. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? 
Thou that seest the man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written, ministers and ministers' wives especially, if you do not represent Christ properly in your comportment, in your words, in your deeds, in your dress, in your diet, in your mannerisms, you are blaspheming the name of the Lord. Many will point to you and say, Oh, we saw that man. He is a watcher of football. He also watches wrestling. He watches movies. My pastor watches it. And because of that, they will go in that same direction. Oh, look at pastor. This is wife and pastor that's wife. Oh, they are we were more holier than they. They are our standard. And the way they dress is the way we will dress. After all, she also is wearing what I'm wearing. So why can't you tell me that what I'm wearing is not in harmony with the word of God? Oh, the name of God is being blasphemed by the ministers and ministers' wives. We are to understand as leaders or even, I would say, as members of of Christ's body, the church, we are to understand that even the world will point to you who are a member and say, they are not going to ask you who your pastor is. You are the one they are looking at. You are professing godliness. And they will say, I saw the Christian do this. I saw him do that. They watch movies like me. They also listen to the same songs I listen to. My dress and theirs is not different, so I don't see the reason why I should make any change. The name of God is being blasphemed. Once more, in the words of Richard Baxter, he says, Take heed to yourselves for the honor of your Lord and Master, and of his holy truth and ways, lies more heavily on you than on other men. Because you may render him more service, so you may do him more disservice than others. The nearer men stand to God, the greater dishonor he has by their miscarriages and the more they will be imputed by foolish men to God himself. The heavy judgments executed on Eli and on his house were because such men recoiled at his sacrifice and offering. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great, the Bible says, before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. It was that great aggravation of causing the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme which provoked God to deal more sharply with David than he would otherwise have done. If you are indeed Christians, the glory of God will be more precious to you than your lives. Take heed therefore what you do against it as you would take heed what you do against your lives. Would it not wound you to the heart to hear the name and truth of God reproached for your sakes? To see men point to you and say, There goes a covetous priest, a secret drunkard, a scandalous man. These are the ones who preach strictness, while they themselves can live as loose as others. They condemn us with their sermons and condemn themselves with their lives. Notwithstanding all their talk, they are as bad as we are. Oh, brothers, could your hearts endure to hear men cast the dung of your iniquities in the face of the Holy God and in the face of the gospel and of all who desire to fear the Lord? Would it not break your hearts to think that all the godly Christians about you should suffer reproach for your misdoings? If one of you who is the leader of the flock were to be ensnared only once into some scandalous crime, there is scarcely a man or woman who seeks diligently after their salvation, who upon hearing it would not have it thrown in their face by the ungodly around them. Besides this, there is the grief of their own hearts for your sin 
however much they may detest and lament it. The ungodly husband will tell his wife, and the ungodly parents will tell their children, and the ungodly neighbors and fellow servants will tell one another of it, saying, These are your godly preachers. See what comes of all your forcing. What better are you than others? You are all alike. Such words as these, all the ungodly in the country must hear for your sakes. It must be that such offenses come, but woe to that man by whom they come. Oh, take heed, brothers, of every word you speak and of every step you tread. For you bear the ark of the Lord, you are entrusted with his honor. If you who know his will and approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law are confident that you yourselves are guides of the blind and lights to those who are in darkness, instructors of the foolish, teachers of babes, if you, I say, should live contrary to your doctrine and by breaking the law should dishonor God, the name of God will be blasphemed among the ignorant and ungodly through you, and you are not unacquainted with that standing decree of heaven. Those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. No man ever dishonored God without proving it to be the greatest dishonor to himself. God will find out ways enough to wipe off any stain that is cast upon him, but you will not so easily remove the shame and sorrow from yourselves. End of quote. That is the Reformed Pastor, page 51. Hmm. This is a very solemn one, and as I read it myself, I say, as I said before, we ought to pray for one another. We ought to be careful the kind of example we give towards the, to the world because it is a great sin. And the way that it has been put in this book I just read now, the Reformed Pastor, makes it more clear in the eyes how deep our sins are when we claim to be Christians and sin against the Lord. Before the world, they are watching us and it can bring shame to the world. And this is the reason why the Lord had to publicly uh, punish Aaron and Moses so that the people will not think that he condones such acts so that it will not be an excuse for the people to also sin against God so that the people will know of a truth that they have no excuse that they will not say well because of Moses influence I'll also do this or do that they could not say that and that was the reason why the Lord had to deal with it like that but we should be more zealous for God's glory we should feel bad for the times we have misrepresented the Lord as we have heard these words powerful and pointed as they are telling us how bad it is for us to sin against the Lord when we preach righteousness and then we do something different from that and the world sees it and the church member sees it when you are leaders and you do that or when you refuse to preach in the first place because you are afraid of what I have just read you don't want to be somebody who they hold in high responsibility because you don't want to be one who they would say oh you preach this therefore you are and you are doing that and when you do that all of this is blaspheming God's name and is bringing a reproach on his on his name because even if you don't preach it people know what is right and your example they are seeing it and is blaspheming the name of the Lord this is something we ought to fall on, on our knees and ask for forgiveness for repent of it and henceforth ask for grace and strength from the Lord that we will give a better example to the world that is what we ought to do therefore I would say uh, in summary let us learn these lessons and understand the responsibility of being a Christian uh, before the world as Moses was a leader before the Israelites and ask for grace to do what is right let us pray 
Lord in heaven, please, we ask, have mercy on us and forgive us for all the times we have misrepresented you before the world. And we pray earnestly, please, from henceforth, help us not to embarrass you by showing a wrong example, even in the smallest of matters. When we go on the streets and we encounter various provocations, help us, Lord, to control our spirit. When we in our homes are also encountering difficulties, help us, Lord, to possess our souls and do what is right and not exhibit irritation or passion the slightest sin lord help us lord not to encourage it in our lives we pray father that you will keep us from sin and help us to be proper representatives of you giving the right example to the world thank you for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering in jesus name i've prayed amen